welcome to episode 67 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Worklife Psych, a team of accredited and experienced workplace psychologists. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm the managing director of Worklife Psych, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. This time around, Pilar and I look at what to expect from coaching. Maybe you've considered coaching as an option for yourself or for colleagues, but you have some questions about what's involved. We get a lot of questions about coaching. So over this episode and the next two, we're going to look at coaching, the core ethos, the practicalities, uh, how it's different to other activities like training. And we hope we'll be able to clarify it all for you. But we're conscious that you may have additional questions. So please do get in touch. You can tweet us with your short questions at mypocketpsych or send us a longer message via the contact form on the website. As ever, the show notes and all our other episodes can be found at worklifepsych.com slash podcast. Pilar, we're back again. How are you doing? I am doing well. How about you, Mr. Richard McKinnon? <laughs> I'm good. I'm oh, good. Doctor. We're <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll edit that out. Um, no, I'm doing I'm doing well. It's sort of mid afternoon. I've had a productive day, and uh, it's yeah, it's all good. We're still in the world of doing so much of our our work over video um, as opposed to in person at the moment. So it could be a while before we're meeting people face to face in any great numbers. Mm-hmm. How are you getting on with that? How how is it? Uh, how's it been? Do you know what it's it's. It's a mixed bag because mm-hmm. I really do like being with people, but I don't miss travel one bit. I don't miss getting on public transport. I don't miss getting on planes. Um, I don't miss time wasted going to meetings. So, uh, and I think 90% of what I try and do, I can really easily do over video. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm getting quite used to this situation and it might be a bit of a shock for me to go back to it in the months to come, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge. How, how about you? How are you getting on with it? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Uh, I, I haven't, well, I am looking forward to um, going to the gym. Uh, I don't do gym pumping things with machines, but I do classes and mm. I'm really missing that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to having the option of going to my co-working space. But yeah, but I, but I'm yeah, I'm very well. So I hope listeners that you are all well too. Yes, um, because I think that's what people are doing now, isn't it? Asking each other how we are, meaning are you well? Are you safe? Are you getting on okay? And that, that's quite nice. So yes, echo that. I hope everyone who's listening to this is having an okay time of things at the moment. So today we kick off um, a new series of episodes. We're, we're going to look at a topic from a few different perspectives over the next few episodes, and that's the topic of coaching. And the reason I thought we'd well, kind of return to this topic, but look at it slightly differently, is based on some reflections I've had recently about the work I'm doing with organizations to A, introduce coaching or B, explain coaching, um, but also the volume of coaching I've been doing over the last three months has flagged for me a few things that are worth discussing and maybe we can hit a few birds with one stone here. So today we're just going to talk about, um, you know, 
coaching and what to expect from coaching if you were to take advantage of a coach. Um, and I don't know how many times we'll have said the word coaching by the time we get to the <laughs> end of this episode, but imagine if you have never worked with a coach before. Uh, this might be the episode for you. Or if your responsibility is to introduce a coach or coaches to your organization, this may well answer many of the questions that you have in mind. Next time around, we're going to look at how to get the best from the coaching experience. So today we'll be covering the real essentials of what makes coaching coaching and then look at how to best navigate that experience and then how to really take advantage of the experience once coaching has ended, because by definition, it's a time limited uh, activity. So there is obviously life after coaching, but how do you extract the maximum return for the investment of time and effort that you're putting into it? So that's a really brief overview of what we're going to be doing over the next few episodes. And in each one as well, I want to explore a little bit um, the practicalities, but also how might coaching skills be used to explore the different kinds of topics that people bring to the table. And um, again, just to clarify what coaching could look like if that's not something you're familiar with. How does that sound, Pilar? That sounds great. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I, I imagine you'll be doing most of the talking about this then. I, I would like to get your perspective too, but but let's see how we get on. Yeah. Let's see how we get on. But listen, before we get into that, um, I just wanted to share a little update about um, our webinars uh, with the listeners. And um, if you missed it last time around, we mentioned um, the launch of a new series of webinars that are, first of all, completely free. And they're going to be an ongoing series of online sessions exploring uh, different topics to do with the workplace, different areas of the workplace experience uh, where we've got some experience and we've got some views to share. They're only 45 minutes long. And so the intention is not to be in any way a deep dive, but maybe something that will provoke some thought and reflection and most definitely give people pointers as to how they can learn more about that topic but I really do want to share some some practical tips or some practical uh, skills that people can start to use immediately afterwards. Now, I'm not going to run through the whole program here. They're listed online at worklifepsych.com slash webinars, and we'll put that in the show notes. We've got the first six, five, we've done one, so there's five remaining uh, on the schedule, but we're going to be adding to that on a rolling basis. And you'll see there's a whole range of different topics being covered. And uh, Pilar, um, I'm going to have the pleasure of your company on a, on a future webinar as well, which is yet to be listed there. But um, I will have guests as well as we go through to share their expertise as well. So looking forward to that. Excellent. So it's worklifepsych.com slash webinars for more information. And just worth mentioning here for the listeners uh, who might be listening at in the future, we are talking July through to September, October 2020. So just for that. Really good point <laughs> in case we get lots of angry messages from people in 2023 <laughs> wondering where the webinars are. Who knows? We might still be doing them then. But yes. Uh, now, the other thing to mention about the webinars is they'll be recorded. So I'm going to make those recordings available online. And the first one of those was all about coaching. Um, so I will include in the show notes the link to the uh, place on YouTube, very technical phrase, where I've saved that video. So even if the timing of these doesn't work for you, you'll be able to see the recording afterwards. And do feel free to get in touch if you have questions on the back of that. Mm -hmm. 
so let's have a look at this topic of coaching and what to expect from the activity itself. Let me start by saying if anyone listening to this is has questions about this activity and they um, are not getting answers from this episode or they have questions that they really want us to pick up on in the next two episodes, please do get in touch. You can tweet us at mypocketpsych or leave us a longer message via the contact form and that's at worklifepsych.com slash contact. I always include those in the show notes as well. So um, if you do think of a question much later on, you can get to us via the show notes. Maybe let me start with a, a definition um, of coaching. And I, I regularly um, run short sessions for new organizations, new clients of mine to just cover off some of these basics. But consistently, the definition I share is from Professor Stephen Palmer. And um, if you're not familiar with, with Stephen, he's a really accomplished um, and, and very well-known coaching psychologist, among other things. But one of his definitions I, I really, really like because of the emphasis it places. So I'm going to read it and then maybe we can have a look at that in more detail. So Stephen says, the ultimate aims of coaching are to facilitate personal and professional growth, learning and optimal functioning. Thus, the initial motivation is a focus on optimization and improvement of performance as opposed to the elimination of any problems. And I really like that because it's about the aims of what we're doing, not the mechanism uh, of how it's done. And the ethos is one of uh, let, let's get you to where you want to be optimally. Let's release that potential that's within you as opposed to let's find out what's wrong with you and get rid of rid of that thing. Because I think that emphasis can lead us into unhelpful avenues and um, uh, the application of unhelpful labels. And really, it underlines that coaching is a partnership that's going on. It's not like going to the GP and being given a diagnosis. It's very much a partnership of professionals working together to optimize functioning in whatever domain, in whatever theme or area of life the coachee really wants to work on. Pilar, any thoughts on that definition? Yes. Is it one you've seen before? Yeah, I think what I like about it is, is that it's got a real forward momentum. So it's really about, okay, let's let's move forward. Uh, and I, I like that. And that's one of the things that, that's great to touch on, because coaching is, by its very nature, forward-focused, future-focused. We want to get you from today to where you want to be. We're less interested in what has happened in the distant past. And that's something we'll come back to because it's um, it's a question people often have. And very briefly, the work-life psych team do an awful lot of coaching. And we work with people at multiple levels in organizations. One of the first questions I, I get is around the seniority of people and is coaching applicable just to the leadership or could a manager benefit from coaching? We, we work with all levels from people in their first and second days in the workplace full stop all the way up to the C-suite. And we work in different ways with, with different groups and there's different mechanisms by which coaching can be made available. And I'll put a link to the page on our website that outlines the different ways that we do that. But it could be, you know, um, coaching for an executive about a particular uh, way they handle stressful situations. It could be coaching for a 
brand new graduate to help them with their self-confidence and speaking up. Uh, it could be coaching a team leader. And it's the first time they've, they've managed anybody uh, to help them learn how to delegate and deal with the additional workload that comes with, with leading people. But so many different ways that it can um, be useful and, and so many different groups of people who could benefit from it. So I'm kind of determined to break any preconceived notions people have about who gets involved in coaching. Does that, does that make sense, Pilar? Yeah, completely. Mm. And, and obviously now we're doing everything <laughs> online. <laughs> so if you have a mental model of coaching, it might be a little bit out of date. You know, really, all of the coaching I'm doing now is via video and uh, you're face to face with someone that could be anywhere in the world. But we're doing the same work. We're just using a different medium. And I would say, from my perspective anyway, it's working really, really well. Can I ask you a question about that? Um, Please. Do you do any phone coaching or any audio only, or is it always with video at the moment? It, the intention is that it's with video. Sometimes technology lets us down. So if someone's on a particularly bad internet connection, we may just go to voice only. It's not as engaging and if I'm honest, there is a much, much higher potential for someone getting distracted when they are just listening to you and they can see other things on their screen and in their environment. So my, my preference, if I was to put it in a hierarchy, would be to be in a room with someone, but then it's video. And then only if we can't do that, it would be audio only. Um, but that's a really good question because I, I ask when I run a webinar about this topic, I always ask, what do you think coaching looks like? How would you know if you walked into a room and there were two people in there, how, you, how would you know if they were coaching versus some other kind of, of activity? And what my experience has shown me is that different people have a very different view of what coaching looks like. And uh, I would say there's no one way, no one perfect way of describing it, but there's an awful lot of misunderstandings um, about what coaching is. So I want to use these episodes of the podcast to maybe iron out a few of those, uh, at least from my perspective, <laughs> the, the word according to me. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, you were going to say something. No, I was something. going to ask you, so, so what... <laughs> So what does coaching look like? No, so so what what is different then? So for example, if I wanted to, um, and I, I might be too early with the question, I don't know, Richard. Uh, if I wanted to become better at delegating, for example, how would it be different? How would coaching be different to, for example, going on a training course or, or having a one-to-one uh, training with you? Mm. So that's a really good um, example to explore. So you could absolutely go on a training course to learn how to delegate. Why would you work with with me, with another coach? Um, You could well make more progress faster, one-to-one. And of course, the training is designed as is, off the shelf. Everyone goes through the same program of training to to learn the process, the skill, um, the checklists of delegating. The perspective we would take as coaching psychologists is to find out, well, what stopped you from delegating so far? And what are your beliefs, your thoughts, your feelings when it comes to delegation? Because if we look at the activity of delegation, it's a very straightforward activity, but lots of people shy away from it. 
And the reason they shy away is not because they don't know how to do it really well. They have a lot of thoughts and beliefs about what could go wrong, how it will reflect on them, um, maybe some nightmarish scenarios. So the benefit of coaching, especially with a coaching psychologist, would be to unpick some of that depower some of those thoughts and beliefs and and uh, not allow them to get in the way of doing a great job of delegating. And so you could make that speedy progress, but you also get a very tailored experience because it is one-to-one coaching rather than one-to-one or one-to-many training where it's, it's fixed. I, I do both, you know, so it's not that one is good and one is bad, but there are contexts where Maybe someone's inability or preference not to delegate is causing real problems for them and their team. And you want to get in there, get stuck in and, and, and get an impact quickly. That's where coaching can be great and, and really make a difference. Does that put enough, uh, I suppose, clear blue water between those <laughs> activities um, when it comes to delegation, for example? Yeah. And then my next question would be, so if I was if I was an individual and I was thinking, okay, should I go on a training course or should I get a coach? I mean, even with something like delegation, are there any questions I should ask myself to help me to decide between one and the other? Yes, I suppose you could ask yourself, um, do do I know anything about delegation? You know, um, do I honestly understand the process? Do, Do I know what good delegation looks like? If the answer to those questions is yes, then the next question is, so why am I not doing it? Right. Okay. And we need to reflect honestly as to what, what might be holding us back. And if it's something that's emotional, uh, fear based or anxiety based, then it could be really useful to work with a coach. If you're very early in your career and you've not either seen good delegation or you've been told you need to delegate more and you don't know where to start, training could be great for that. Covers the essentials, gives you a process and gives you a deep dive into it. And you can learn those skills from someone who knows them backwards and can can train really well. So there's there's two different perspectives that you could take in it. But unfortunately, we don't really have a, a perfect decision tree for that. It's a discussion I have frequently, not just about delegation, but training versus coaching to help someone, um, a, a purchaser of services, better understand what would be a good fit for their people. And um, what is there something that they know that needs to be addressed or is it a vague feeling? Um, so counterintuitively talk myself out of work on a regular basis <laughs> because they're not really clear on what's needed, but there's an, you know, there's a little sense that there might, and of course everyone wants training all the time, but it's, it's sort of, well, I think coaching could be good for him. Why? Oh, well, you know, well, no, <laughs> what, what would we be doing if we were working together? Um, so there is that sort of um, decision set of explorations to work through but often coaching is really well defined already because it exists in the organization and so you've got someone who's who's bringing in an external coach for example because they they know they've got a really good understanding of how an individual might benefit from the coaching experience but even then it doesn't always translate uh, perfectly. And so I, I do try and start from first principles and, and ensure that each person I meet with has a good understanding of what's involved, uh, what would be involved, what's required of them to get a good experience in coaching. So do you need to, do you need to know the answer to their questions in a way? So do you need to understand how to do the thing? So let's go back with to the delegation example. If I've come mm. to someone for coaching rather than training, 
is the expectation that you're going to show me how to do it? Or I think it's different, isn't it? It is. Um, and yet that's something that people might believe about coaching, that it is more like one-to-one training and they'll sit there and be the recipient of wisdom mm. <laughs> uh, and they'll somehow absorb it. When, when actually it can work really well that I would know nothing about their environment um, or not be the expert in inverted commas about the skill they're trying to cultivate. Because we want to talk about not learning how to do it in the room, but taking the steps to learn it outside of the room and remove the barriers that might have existed that have prevented them in the past. So a very important point is that I, as coach, am not the exemplar of behavior or skill or ability. I'm someone who's going to work with another person to help them better understand their own situation and the options available to them for action and then keep them accountable for that action. I'm not going to sit them down and give them a flowchart of how to delegate because that's something they could get from a book, that's something they could find online or they could go on training to get. What I'm interested in is why aren't you doing it now if you understand it? And let's work together to create a plan to help you be the best delegator you can possibly be. And so that might be one thing. What other things do people think they're going to get from coaching that is actually not really what coaching is? Um, (laughs) Depending on the situation, lots of sympathy as opposed to empathy, I want to understand your perspective, but I may not agree with it, or I may question it. I may question your version of events or your perspective, because if I just agree with you, no matter what you say, then, well, you might as well go out for a drink with a friend, because they'll do that. You know, they'll tell you, you're absolutely right. You're boss is being unreasonable. Whereas my job is to get them to question those perspectives. So that can sometimes be a bit of a surprise that I don't automatically, if you like, take their side. That's not my job. Um, Similarly, expecting to be told what to do. You know, um, sometimes people will sit there waiting for um, some kind of magic and, um, you know, a list of instructions. It doesn't work that way either. I'm not going to make decisions for somebody. I'm not going to tell them what to do. It's so much more powerful if we discuss what could be done and they identify a path for themselves. Sure, I can throw ideas into the mix, but that's when someone's really stuck or if they genuinely are at a point where some of the tools or some of the skills that I'm familiar with could be really beneficial to them. So I don't want someone to figure out stress management for themselves. But when it comes to breaking down their workload or prioritizing or organizing themselves, there's lots of common sense stuff in there that it would be great to discuss and to see if they can get an inkling of these uh, ideas when they're not in the thick of it in work and they're in this different environment with me and they've got time to think, they've got time to reflect. So it's not, as I said, like going to your GP, talking to your GP, and then she says, here's a label of what's wrong with you and here's a prescription to make you better. Not at all. I I try and shy away from from labels because they are very sticky. in, in that sense. So yeah, that, that would be another misunderstanding that, that people have. Um, similarly, that it's just to offload mm. <laughs> frustrations. 
And I know that that's not always comfortable to do, but if someone's very frustrated with a relationship in the workplace and, and, you know, I ask them something like, I don't know, what was your role in this? Or how did you contribute to this situation? Or how does this other person maybe see the situation? That's not what the average person asks them. And so maybe they were looking for someone to agree with them or not ask them anything and just listen. And that's that's not coaching. That's much more akin to counseling, you know, to be heard and to have frustrations offloaded. So it's much more dynamic. Uh, it's much more interactive. Um, and it's really different to really any relationship that you'll have in the world. It's, it's quite a unique kind of a relationship. And going a little bit on that offloading thing, which just stuck in my mind, I'm also curious as to how you deal with the whole confidentiality aspect when, and this is a specific scenario, when the organization brings you in and then um, then within the organization, people are coached by you. So not that I'm an individual and I engage directly, but within an organization, how does that work? What what happens in the room? Uh, you know, is that is that ever, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, how do you deal with that? Because that's interesting. Yeah, it's really important. And it's one of the first questions people have. So let, let's be very specific about it. You know, it's not absolute confidentiality. It's not like the confessional, um, if, if that makes sense. But confidentiality needs to be discussed and agreed. So when contracting with an organization, they'll be very clear. I won't report back the details of coaching uh, conversations. Um, I will, with the coaches agreement, report, and especially a group, when I'm working with a group of people, report back on things like general engagement levels. And if people are turning up for their coaching sessions, and um, as I had a conversation the other day, you know, look, these are the presenting topics that are coming up. And there's a lot of similarity here. And might there be something you could do to nip this in the bud rather than have lots of people seeing a coach? Um, but I don't, uh, you know, share my notes and observations with the, the organizational client. I don't report back to them. And if anything, if they have questions about how it's going, I direct them to the coachee for that conversation. And I, I make all of this really clear upfront. So there are none of those awkward moments later in it. And sometimes that comes from, a, a you know, from interest there, the, you know, they really want to know, is it going well? And what have they said? And are they happy? And I just have to say, well, why don't you talk to them about that? Because I've committed that I'm not going to report back in detail our conversations. There are limitations, as I said, to confidentiality, and I've never had to deal with them in my career. But they are things around, you know, serious crime or someone being a danger to themselves or, or somebody else. Uh, and I make that really clear. But I've never had to never had to, thankfully, um, deal with those scenarios. So it's not absolute, but it, it's pretty robust. And that's important because you want someone to be as open and as honest with you as possible so that they can talk about this stuff that maybe they've never verbalized before in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting, um, so I'm getting a safe space, <laughs> uh, someone to talk who's more than a sounding board and maybe challenges, uh, helps me think through my own options. What else, uh, what else am I missing? What else happens in that, uh, in that coaching session or sessions? Actually, it's also quite interesting to understand the long term as well as the session. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it can it can um, work in different ways. So something I've outlined in previous episodes is our program we call Coach on Campus, which is is about having one of the team. In, well, it used to be in your office um, for a day or two days a month um, with multiple coaching slots per day that people can book online and not make this multiple coaching um, event commitment, but maybe commit to one coaching conversation to see is this something that's going to be helpful for them and could that one coaching conversation unlock some understanding or give them the impetus to take some action and I would say very frequently it does one hour with a coach can really you know really do a great job of helping someone see uh, a conundrum a challenge or uh, something they're not enjoying like some feedback they've had it allows them to see that from a different perspective and then many people will say you know what that's really useful that's giving me another view on this i think i know what to do and that can be very helpful because one of the things that can put people off and put organizations off is well hold on coaching is for months and months i need to make this big commitment and that's really super expensive some people might in the coach on campus scenario, you know, finish a session and say, look, could I come back to you in two or three months? I've got this stuff going on. It's going to take me a while to work on this, but I do want to sit down with you again. And they own that then because they log in and, and make the booking with my system themselves. For other people, there's a contract at the very beginning outside of coach on campus. We'll meet once a month, every month for six months because of the topic that we're working on. So it's not one size fits all, but what makes it coaching um, for, for many people is that one-on-one -on -one development focus working towards a shared goal. There'll be multiple uh, conversations normally, but it is time limited. So we will talk about just how many sessions they have access to so we can really focus the effort um, with an open-ended coaching relationship who knows what might happen and I would say invariably it's not going to be very helpful you might get what we always try to avoid which is dependence on the coach it's not that ongoing relationship and I, as I've said before here and I will frequently say to an organization when working with an individual my job is to make myself as redundant as possible as soon as possible so that person can carry on, take what they've learned from coaching, use it successfully, and then apply it in different situations for themselves so they don't need to keep returning to the coaching environment. They can generalize what they've taken from it. So that's, again, a very different aspect where you might send someone on all kinds of different training, course after course, year after year. But with coaching, we're hoping to unlock understanding of self and thinking and feeling and behavior so they can take those models and use them in lots and lots of different uh, scenarios. So might that be part of it? Because I know that sometimes I felt like, okay, I know I, it's, it's such a feeling sometimes that I know I might need some help, but I'm not completely sure what it is. So is, is that mm -hmm. something that happens that people either as individuals or through the organization that people are like, like yeah, I need, I need some kind of help and coaching will help me just because of the kind of person I am, but I'm not sure where to start. Yeah. And sometimes that magic ingredient can be, I know what I need to do. I know that it's useful for me to do it, but what I really want is someone to hold me accountable oh. for the activities. 
And that's a, that's a big part of coaching. So Pilar, if you said to me uh, in one of our chats, you know, off the recording that you were going to write another book. And I said, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. And then six months later, I said, how's the book? And you went, oh, you know what? I've shelved that idea. Socially, I might say, okay, yeah, well, you know your workload. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. But if we're in the coaching environment, I'd really want to explore why you didn't take the action. Not in an accusatory way, not to make you feel bad, but to help you understand, was that a helpful choice for you? Did you think about how things could go wrong and allow the discomfort to take control? Or was it a very objective evaluation of your workload and your commitments and you'll do it next year? And that's a big difference. And that's what accountability, that's how it can really, really help. We can balance supporting someone towards their goals, but also holding them accountable for the commitments that they make in pursuit of those valued goals. I really like that bit because I was thinking that to be, you know, I was thinking it was going to be that you asked me, did you do that <laughs> in coach mode? And I said, no. And you went, oh, well, you should. Uh, and I really like yeah. the, the being able, because sometimes also, um, even if we're account we want to be accountable to others, but there is just stuff that is just not going to get done. And it's really interesting to have that conversation of, okay, what happened there, basically, instead of just dropping something, because mm -hmm. then we can mm -hmm. have dropped it but at least we can learn from having dropped it. So I, I hadn't thought of it that way before. That's a, a key part of it. If, if someone can't do something they committed to doing, it could well be because they committed to too much. Hmm. You know, they bit off more than they could chew. They weren't being realistic. Again, my, my job isn't necessarily to say, oh, I don't think you can do that. It's to say, go and have a go experiment, try, come back and we'll discuss. And in your world, in your real world, let's see how you get on. Because once you've left the room with me or we've ended the video call, you're back in reality in a sense. And you may cool off and think, oh, God, that sounds a bit scary. That sounds a bit big. Um, but that's part of the learning process as well, to really try and be as realistic as possible. And I, I've got no power in the relationship. I'm not your boss and you don't need to impress me. I'm not your friend, uh, but I do want to help you. I do want to support you. And so if you aren't making the progress you would like, we need to talk about that. We can't politely, you know, brush it under the carpet because that would be awkward. I want it to be awkward. I want to go into the awkward spaces because that's what you learn from. And, and that's how you can generalize what you've learned about yourself and use it in other situations in the future. And that could be a conversation I had two weeks ago. That could be, you know what, don't even answer that question. Someone said to me, that's procrastination. Even before you answer my question, I know what I'm doing. Thank you. <laughs> you know, because we've had that conversation before and they realized this is what I'm tempted to do. But I know that about myself. So I'm going to choose to do something different. And that's one of the benefits that coaching can bring. The generalizability of the skills you learn are often much more generalizable than what you might get from a kind of tight technical training. You know, they definitely serve their purposes, but I see coaching as being um, a life skill. However, when you're talking, I'm thinking, so it's not a nice, fluffy uh, conversation, is it? Because a lot of what you're, I, I can see how some of the conversations might be difficult, not in the way that it's difficult having it with you, but that there is some level of of ickiness, <laughs> if that's a technical yeah, word. <laughs> that's a very technical term. There can be, and it's something that I think people need to be honest with themselves about, that any development will involve an element of discomfort because 
you know, you're getting out of your comfort zone, you're trying new things, or maybe you're exploring an aspect of yourself you've denied, or you're not particularly proud of, or you're facing up to something, you know, finally facing up to something, and that can be awkward and uncomfortable. So what I try, what I strive to do is to have those conversations, but help someone learn from that conversation so it's not like punishment and it doesn't feel like going to see the headmaster uh, really want to to get away from that kind of a tone but also to let someone know that when we talk this will not be like the other chats you have and the reason I'm asking these things is to help you develop another perspective on your own view of the world and your own behavior and it's balanced with support and lots of well done, good job. Um, and when people make a great point, letting them know that they've made a really good point about their behavior or their reflections. So it, it's not like being, you know, in the middle of an appraisal. It's not like sitting an exam, but it's also not like going for a coffee and a chat somewhere between the two. Nice. I've got a question, but I think it's a question that will take us to next episode. So is there, I suppose... Is there anything that listeners need to know more about this kind of uh, intervention? or <laughs> How would you call it? Yeah, well, I mean, I was sitting down with someone for the very first time. I'll say, look, coaching is simply one-to-one -one development. We're going to work together on an area of your life that is very important to you and you want to move towards a goal. That, that's what we're talking about. I think the bits that people forget is they get excited about that, but then don't think so much about the work they're going to have to do uh, in between the coaching sessions. So something that I've written about um, recently, and I'll put a link in the show notes, is treating your personal development like a project. If this was a work project, you'd have a goal to work towards, or at least there'd be some performance indicators, you would have events in your calendar that you would attend, so time would be dedicated to it, and you'd have some key tasks to work on. Coaching's not magic, so simply by going to coaching sessions does not make as much of a difference as going to work with a coach and then going out into the world and making some changes yourself, experimenting, trying new things, putting um, process into practice, uh, getting out of that comfort zone. That's where the real change happens. And that can be difficult and uncomfortable, but that that's a necessary element of it. It's not dangerous and hopefully not frightening, but it's also not going to be a joy in some cases. Now, I will say that, you know, depending on the topic we're working with, some people will find it so, um, maybe there's a lot of relief or a lot of happiness involved in realizing I can do this and it does have a benefit. It really helps me. You know, if someone cracks the procrastination habit or someone realizes that they can move away from panic mode constantly and organize themselves a little better, that does become more enjoyable. But it's only through doing. I don't want you to take what I say on faith. It's about going out into the world and trying new things. That's something that people need to understand. And also, I'm going to ask a lot of questions because it's not like one of those um, seaside peer games when, you know, I ask three questions and then I guess your star sign or something. Um, I, I can't read your face. So I'm going to ask lots of questions so I can get a really good understanding of where you're coming from so we can work together. Now, we've got a lot of um, information on the website about some of these key factors that people can read about in their own time. And that's on the 
forward slash coaching page that I will I will link to. Um, and of course, our first webinar is all about this topic. So again, you could listen um, back to that and see the slides um, if you like video. But what I thought we'd wrap up with today is just a little bit of an example of how coaching might work in practice in one of the main areas that we work in. That's also really relevant at the moment if I just look at my calendar um, and that's well-being. It's often not something that people immediately think of when it comes to coaching. One of the mental models I see people hold a lot about coaching is about pure performance. How can we help him? How can we help her be better at their job? When actually one of the reasons that someone mightn't be performing so well is about factors to do with their well-being. So, for example, how they're handling pressure and stress. Um, and that's that's a big a big part of um, what we do, and so that could manifest in lots of lots of different ways. Underlining the point, I'm not a physician, I'm not uh, a health professional in that sense, but well-being is much more holistic than illness. Right? It's not just the absence of disease; it's more about the thriving. So, coaching could help someone um, better deal with. Um, things that are going to help them thrive, like learning effective and sustainable and healthy coping strategies, uh, instilling a bit more work-life harmony and taking proactive steps so that they can attend to their personal life as well as their professional life, Um, taking helpful action to maybe address some of the sources of stress in their workplace or managing their frustration and their anger a little bit better. And of course, a big topic that is sort of somewhere in everyone's minds at the moment is is anxiety and how we deal with the things that lead to our anxiety. That's a, a big part of that. So it might be that you you have an image of coaching as being quite instructional, but in the well-being space, it's much more about understanding the person from an holistic as possible perspective to see them as a whole person not just them at work, and how the skills they'll pick up can benefit them both in the workplace, absolutely, but also outside of the workplace, because maybe that's where a lot of the changes they're going to make are really going to bear bear fruit. So well-being coaching is is a big part of what we do. And I don't know if that's a surprise to you, Pilar, <laughs> but at the moment, it's it's overwhelmingly the theme that we're working with. It makes complete sense. And also the way you've explained the coaching process it is. It seems a great way of, uh, um, in a way, taking control also for yourself of saying, one, I'm going to do something about it, which is have this kind of uh, development, and then finding stuff that works for you that you can try out, that you can come back to, that you can uh, reflect on, etc. So it makes perfect sense. And it's not like reading a book and it's not like going on a course. It's tailored for you, your life, your job, your circumstances. But here's an example where it could be very much built around an existing protocol um, that we might use around stress management, for example, or understanding coping styles and exploring new ways of dealing with that stuff. So that's not really about... um, maybe performance coaching or helping someone decide between options. This is, well, look, here's a way we could work on this together. How does that sound? If I outline this this method, would you be interested in trying some of these techniques? How might that work for you? You know, um, so there is a lot of discussion there, but we're applying something that's evidence-based rather than 
I don't know, me trying to figure out in the moment what might work here. It's this is something that we know can really help people in situations like this. So um, before we before we wrap up, so I won't spring this on you like when we wrap up, but before we wrap up for today, Pilar, any other questions um, or comments um, on what to expect from coaching? No, the only thing I'd like to know is uh, if, if I were to to start a coaching engagement, how do I prepare for it? But I think that's going to take us into the next, uh, probably the next episode. Absolutely. But you're asking the, the right question, which is how to prepare for it. And you do, you'll get much more out of coaching by preparing for it and all the other things that we'll talk about next time. So listeners, I hope this has illuminated the topic for you. Um, please get in touch with your questions or if you want to share your own experience of coaching and how it's benefited you or your own thoughts on how coaching might benefit you or others in the workplace, get in touch. Um, again, you can contact us on Twitter at MyPocketPsych or send us something much longer on the contact form on the website worklifepsych.com slash contacts. So another episode uh, in the can, as they say. Pilar, thank you very much for your time today um, and uh, look forward to our next episode. And to everyone else, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.